0: Hey, thanks for listening. Although I will admit, it's not like there's much else people can be doing these days, right? Welcome in everybody. It is the Believe in Jayhawks basketball program and the Believe Podcast Network. And man, what a time to be alive, right? It is today, it is Wednesday, March 18th. Most years here on this Wednesday towards the back end of March, middle to back end of March, we would be talking about how we are now finally in the depths, in the midst of March Madness. It is happening. The first four happened last night. There's two more games tonight, and then tomorrow's the day, everybody. Lift that curtain. It's the best day in sports, Thursday and Friday. Wall-to-wall college basketball, the madness. <laughs> not quite. Not Not this year, right? but at least we're going to be a stronger community after this and we're going to pull through. It'll be okay. <laughs> I'm not angry. <laughs> I'm not totally depressed out of my mind about the fact that the number one team in the nation doesn't get a chance to go for a national title. <laughs> I'm totally fine about it. We'll get into that though. Uh, I'm at, there's a little bit of 2020 in review. Now that the season is over, it's I think step one in, the stages of grief, right? Acceptance. The season is over. So a little bit of season review. I do have some banner talk. Who should be the national championship? Spoiler alert. You're listening to the believe in Jayhawk show. So I wonder who, and then actually a little bit of a look forward. Unfortunately on March 18th, there are now postings and articles about the way too early 2020 slash 2021 top 25 rankings again this is the believe in jayhawks basketball show i am jonas nordman hanging on by a thread <laughs> on the believe podcast network your number one podcast network for professionals we believe in our teams do you believe by the way make sure you follow all the the believe fun stuff happening on social media there's some brand new instagram accounts that i just wasn't followed and i got to follow back what up Believe in sports, believe in health, believe in betting. How progressive is that? Believe in pop culture. And then all the good stuff as well on Twitter. So, what do I believe in? I believe that people need to stop acting ridiculously and leave some toilet paper at the markets. Jeez. It's, they're not going anywhere. We're, we're totally fine. It's not a worldwide catastrophe. Just leave some toilet paper. Although, let me say this. You can say a lot of things about this show. Our timeliness is not one of our strengths. <laughs> so, what was it? I think the very first show I ever did, the Believe in Jayhawk show, it was right after the fight in the field house. I said, no more than five-game suspension for Silvio De Sosa. Well, I posted the show, and then he gets a 12-game suspension. Very timely. And then just last week, right, I'm sitting here, I'm on air, Uh, They've canceled the Big 12 tournament. NCAA March Madness is going to have no fans. I was sort of ruining that. Post a show. You know, at least there will be families there. We're going to have Mrs. Garrett or Mama Garrett, Marcus Garrett's mom in the stands, did the whole sound clip. It was hilarious. I know everyone laughed and had a good time with it. And then, not even 24 hours later, right? Bang! NCAA March Madness, NCAA tournament canceled. Good timing on my part. I'm really killing it on that. I know a lot of people are coping in different ways, right? Oh, and by the way, on Twitter or on Facebook, if you think you're the first person who's posted that meme or that or some sort of quote, where are like, oh, I've been at home and there's this really nice girl on my couch here who apparently has been here for two years and it's it's my wife or it's my sister. You're not the first person who's posted that. Far from it. And we also, we get it, you have a t- you have a very tough time maintaining your relationships. I'm feisty today, if you couldn't tell. There's a lot of pent-up aggression, a lot of anger. So, a lot of people are coping. I know ESPN is showing a lot of past games. I'm a cord cutter, though, all right, so I don't get ESPN. If I want to see the highlights, I've... I've seen the highlights. I get that Kevin Durant back in 2007 was really good. I've already seen the highlights of the triple overtime game of Kansas and Oklahoma, and I lived the Kansas-Baylor game this year. Really good game. If you didn't get a chance to see it, you should see it. I won't spoil it for you. But I know a lot of people are now diving into the depths of March Madness on YouTube and they're rewatching old games. And (laughs) I think a lot of Kansas fans can admit that there's been some I had some heartbreak here and there for KU in, the, in March Madness over the past years, so I actually have done no whatsoever Kansas NCAA tournament. Like how many times can I watch 2008 highlights? I've seen it. I've seen Brandon Rush outscore North Carolina in the final four in 2008. I've Again, spoiler alert. Mario Chalmers hits that shot against Memphis. I've seen that a lot. Derek Rose is a phenomenal player when he was at Memphis, and he's still a phenomenal player even today for the NBA when it was happening, of course. But I've seen it all. I've seen those highlights. I remember that run vividly. Otherwise, if you punch in like Kansas March Madness, you start getting a lot of the best upsets of all time videos. So I don't need that in my life right now. So I, I haven't really done the deep dive into the highlights online. I mean, there's the 2012 run. I've seen... I mean, I remember the game against Ohio State, right? And if you punch in Kansas 2012, a lot of the times you get Kentucky highlights with Anthony Davis, the eventual national champions. Save yourself the heartbreak. I haven't done much YouTube at all. Like, what would I even go back to? Like Again, 2011, great run for KU, but ended in the Elite Eight. If you, if you punch in 2011 Kansas, you're just going to end up getting that VCU game. Don't worry about it. So let's do a little bit of year in review. I'm going to do a deep dive into year in review. It's now officially the offseason or an operation shutdown, baby. <laughs> it's, it's the postseason. It's the afterseason. It's the offseason, I should say. And with that being the case, postseason awards are now unfortunately starting to slowly yet surely come out. Just earlier this week, Yudoka Azabuki. Named one of five finalists. Congratulations for the Naismith Player of the Year. It's between him, Luca Garza, who we talked about last week on the show with Mike Snow. Big ups. Really appreciate him coming on last week. Luca Garza, Yudoka Azabuki, Peyton Pritchard of Oregon, fantastic point guard for the Ducks, Miles Powell from Seton Hall, and then Obi Toppin from Dayton. Those were your five finalists for the Naismith Player of the Year award. As much as I'm a homer and believe that Yudoka Azebuki should win that award and deserves it, I am not short-sighted enough to realize that it's in all likelihood a two-player race between Luka Garza and his eyebrows versus Obi Toppin of Dayton. If I had to guess, Azebuki probably finishes not in a distant third, but I I wouldn't be surprised if there's some distance between Toppin and Garza and then the third-place finisher. If I had to guess the order of that, Well, I don't know who's going to win between Toppen and Garza. That seems like it's a split vote right now amongst the media. So those two, then Azabuki, probably then Peyton Pritchard, and I'm guessing Miles Powell will finish fifth in that situation. ESPN came out with their postseason awards yesterday. Yudoka Azabuki and Devon Dotson, both of them, on their first team, all-Americans, all-ESPN, whatever you want to call it, but they are both first-teamers which is unbelievable. Congratulations to the two of them. And Marcus Garrett won the ESPN Defensive Player of the Year. I would imagine that's not his first Defensive Player of the Year award likely coming his way. So well-deserved, well done to all of them. The final postseason rankings are slowly yet surely also starting to come out. Yes, today, just today, this morning, The final AP rankings are coming out. They've come out. And so, here we go. Let's start the argument. Your final AP men's basketball top 25 poll. I'll start at number five. Actually, I'm going to start at number six because it's kind of fascinating. San Diego State, a team that was undefeated for most of the year. Right there at number one until Baylor took over rolling through the Mountain West, finishes at number six. Did not win their conference tournament. Lost a game late at home. They lost two games, obviously. So they finish at six, which I find very interesting. At five is Baylor. They finished the year 26-4. You could say they sort of slid to end of the year, which by their standards they had said all year long, you could say that they did. So they finished fifth. Florida State finishes at number four. Then at three is Dayton. Dayton did get one first place vote. Okay. Feels like someone's being a bit of a contrarian on that one. That's okay. At number two is Gonzaga, 31-2 and two on the season. Well done. They also got a first place vote. Interesting. I can't blame whoever did it for Gonzaga. Gonzaga actually had the opportunity to finish their West Coast Conference tournament, which I'll actually get into in just a moment. So, Gonzaga's at number two. They did receive a first place vote. And for the AP men's basketball top 25 poll, finishing the year at number one with, remember, no NCAA March Madness tournament is your Kansas Jayhawks. Woo! Woo! 63 first-place votes, finishing the year at 28 and three losses to Duke in the very first game of the year. Very first true road game of the year at Villanova, who by the way finished at number 10. And then, of course, the game against Baylor early on in conference season. Jayhawks will finish the year on a 16-game winning streak, and they are your AP number one team in the country for 2020. So now the great debate, because we really have nothing else to talk about right now, right? Other than the fact that if you're an NBA player, you can get whatever test you want. That's not important, though. This is not a political show. Stay in your lane. But the great debate online now is, should they award Kansas the national championship? Should they be deemed the champions of 2020? I I thought both long and hard about this question for like a second. And then I realized, yeah, obviously, they've been the best team in the country. They are essentially unanimously throughout the entire polling system of college basketball, the best team. So the NCAA and the the tournament committee, when they do the, the seating and they make the bracket and they determine who gets to make the tournament, they use six different criteria. The BPI, ESPN's system, Kansas finishes number one. The KPI, another analytical service ranking system, Kansas finishes number one. The Ken Pomeroy rankings, I talk about it I think at least once an episode. Kansas by far the number one team in the Ken Palm rankings. The Sagarin rankings. Sagarin, guy who works for USA Today, very analytical, blah, blah, blah. Number one. Strength of schedule. They determined that as well. Kansas is number one in that as well. And then there's the NCAA net rankings. Kansas, you guessed it, finished number two. Oh, wait a second. So they didn't finish unanimously across the board. Well, actually, it was Gonzaga... Who finished number one in the net rankings? The net rankings are something that update day-to-day. As each result comes in, they determine through their rankings what is essentially a quadrant one win, quadrant two, three, four. You get the idea. It's it's basically the strength of your victories and losses throughout the year. If you beat, say, say a team beat KU at home, that's clearly a quadrant one win. If they beat KU at all, that would go very heavily into your net rankings. It's It's determined... It's not it's an imperfect system but it is a system that's used. And Gonzaga finished number 1. But how did they finish number 1 when Kansas finished first in the rest of those rankings? Well, I just said it a second ago, right? Gonzaga plays in a bunk conference in the WCC that finishes their tournament earlier in the week before the big boys in the Power 5 conferences get going in the middle of what would have been last week, through the weekend, through Selection Sunday. Essentially, you could call it the prime time of conference tournaments. The WCC wraps up by, I think it was either Monday or Tuesday. And then everyone else gets going. So by virtue of their conference being too small, essentially, to matter TV-wise and be played later on the week, Gonzaga got in their extra games and they won their conference tournament. Thus, they are number one in the net rankings. So if we... If we cut this off and we essentially said the rankings for the regular season, excluding postseason play, which a lot of teams, a.k.a. the Kansas Jayhawks, did not even get an opportunity to participate in, well, then they'd be your number one team in the net rankings. So if by every metric used, including the gosh darn eye test, which is essentially the AP poll, right? And the coaches pull. Kansas finishes number one. That sounds like a team that deserves a national championship to me. It deserves a banner. Well, what are the reasons, Eve? Let's, let's go down the reasons. That's not how they do it in college basketball. That's not how they usually do it. Number one, seeds don't always win. You're right. That's not how they usually do it. And there's no guarantee that they would have won the tournament this year. We all know this Kansas team, despite being number one in every single ranking, had their issues offensively. They don't hit three-pointers very well, obviously. And defensively, as strong as they were, they might have the defensive player of the year nationally. They do allow a lot of three-point shots. That's how they're predicated. They're happy to recover and allow a few three-point shots here and there. So if they played a team like Creighton, who shoots a lot of threes, or just anybody, anybody could have caught fire against KU this year. And that could have knocked them out. There's a lot of variance in the NCAA tournament. That's why people love it. That's why it's such a kick-ass event. But we didn't get that event this year. And I'm sorry. I I, I know that that's not how we usually do things. But guess what? The NCAA tournament is not usually canceled. So if we're we're making things a little bit weird on one end, who says we can't do it on the other? And am I even going to use the argument that college football has used the the polling system to award national champions for hundreds of years before the BCS, although I just mentioned it. So take that for what it's worth. Okay, well, in the NBA, should they just give the NBA Finals trophy, the O'Brien trophy to the Bucks then since they have the best record? No. There's still a decent shot that the NBA is going to finish out their season. College basketball is finished. There, I said it. Come to grips. I think that was more for me than it was for you. (laughs) College basketball is finished. Why does there need to be a vacated spot? It's not even vacated if there's nothing. Why does there need to be an open spot in the record books? We love March Madness. It is a great television event. What it's not is a great way to determine a national championship. Or a national champion. We love it because of the variance. We love it because college kids who are not professionals, insert your own payment for play joke here, but they're not professionals. They are still just kids. They're still teenagers, usually. And the moment gets too big for a lot of these kids. They can't hit their shots. We never know what's going to happen on a game-to-game basis. But what's a truer... Definition of a champion, a team that played 30-plus games and was clearly the best team in the country or a team that just won six games over the course of three weeks. Amazing television spectacle where we usually, more times than not, do get the true national champion. I think Virginia was probably the best team in the country last year. I think that's fair to say. Villanova a couple years ago, clearly the best team in the country. You know, I think of 2009, North Carolina. I don't know why that's the team that came to my head, but, you know, clearly the best team. They had Danny Green, Tyler hansbro they, they all came back from the team that KU blew out in the Final Four the year before. Like, a lot of times, you get your true national champion. True national champion, but there's the other times where you get your 2011 UConn. Heck, the last two champion championships that UConn has won, they were by no means the best team in the country. But they got hot. They won that championship. So, yeah, that, this isn't how we usually do it. But it's a weird year. So why can't we? And, and I'm going to turn to Bill Self on this one. I, I have some of his quotes that he had. He went on a bit of a media tour. I mean, I, I assume that people were reaching out to him as rankings are coming out in order to put a cap around this season. And I'll let you make your own determinations based off these quotes, but let me read these and I'll give you what I believe. And I'm sort of obviously I'm paraphrasing. He had much longer, more eloquent answers. But for the interest of entertainment and the fact that I need to keep you interested as best as I can, since everybody and their mother has a podcast during this age of coronavirus, I'll keep it short but brief, short and brief. Quote, nobody in America had a better season than we did, Self said. So true. How do you give credit to that effort and have it recognized? And I don't know exactly how we do it. So I'll cut it off there. Bill Self is, every quote that I've seen, he wants to acknowledge. And he believes this is the best team. He knows this this is a really good team. And it seems to me as if he's sort of putting it out there in the ether Sort of see how people feel about it. I don't know. This is how I feel. And I don't know exactly how we do it. Do we do it within our own fan base? Do, do we do it within podcasts or whatnot? Oh, you're a fan. Thanks, Bill. Come on the show. I'll honor you. Whatever we've come up with so far pales in comparison to the accolades they deserve. It's true. I, I don't know what the team can necessarily, necessarily do. So they have a, a way-to-go trophy that they award? They can't even have their end-of-season. It was the Rock Chalk Awards. Uh, there's always an end-of-season banquet, though. They award like the Danny Manning Jayhawk of the Year, the Man of the Year. And they can't do that since you can't have gatherings. <laughs> Simply put, like I don't even have a, a, a witty way of saying that. You can't have gatherings. Uh, I'll read you this next quote as well. And this sort of goes to the fact that so someone asks, should they give you the championship? And we're not going to have a tournament, which is the way it's determined, blah, blah, blah. And Self says, that's not the way this is all intended to be. He goes on to say that coaches prepare their team to win in March. We operated from the, under some pressure and dealt with some stuff. From our standpoint, sure, that would be great. But even if that were to occur, occur there would be a huge asterisk next to it. And I would agree with that. So Bill Self essentially... To me, if I read between the lines, he understands we're the best team. We deserve something. But, ah, oh, shucks. You don't have to give us a banner. You don't have to award us a champion. I know that's not how it should be. Well, I will do it for you, Bill. Because my voice carries weight, both in the podcast community, the Jayhawk and college basketball community, also because during this time of not being able to go outside, the gyms are closed, and there's a little extra weight on my body this is the best team in the nation and they should be recognized as such. They played the toughest schedule. They won a tough conference. Well, the conference wasn't that good, but they vanquished another team in Baylor that was fighting for a number one seed themselves before slipping a bit there at the end. They were going to go in as the overall number one seed. They, they, likely at least would have made a run to the championship of the big 12 tournament. I think it's more than feasible to say that this is the national champions of 2020. And you know what, if the NCAA wants to somehow cobble together something in may or or June or whatnot, and have like a little sort of abbreviated tournament and they don't win it great. That team will be the national championship or the national champion that wins that abbreviated tournament. It's probably not going to happen. Obviously So I'll just crow from the rooftop that the Kansas Jayhawks are your 2020 national champions. Man, what a year. Break out the DVDs. (laughs) So with it being the end of the year, I mentioned it, there are now starting to be some early on editions of early power rankings for 2020 slash 2021. The one I wanted to reference and go over very quickly here as you are listening to the Believe and Jayhawks basketball show and the Believe podcast network if you're interested in advertising with us come on it's a great time to be alive just go to believe.com b-l-e-a-v click on the advertising tab it's real simple i just wanted to pull out a couple notes here and there of what i've noticed and the the preseason rankings or the early power rankings that i went to first were from john rothstein of CBS Sports. And I chose his because this is a guy who eats, sleeps, and breathes college basketball. And I would assume he's really depressed right now. Like, this is the guy who has a countdown in his home, I presume, until the clock or the calendar strikes March. And yet, the greatest tournament of all time does not take place. I trust John. I will go to his rankings to start here. And he starts with Gonzaga. He thinks Gonzaga will be the number one team at the start of next year. The interesting thing about these rankings, and you can go to John's Twitter account and you'll see the link that he posted. It's to John, J-O-N, Rothstein, R-O-T-H-S-T-E-I-M. So he's, it's tough. We don't know what's happening with the NBA. We don't know what's happening with the draft. We don't know about the draft process. So John sort of predicts starting lineups, tries to then predict who will be going to the NBA, but... It's it's a little bit different because for some, he'll say that key losses are a guy he still has in the starting lineup. So it's an imperfect system, much like everything that's happening here in 2020. So he thinks Gonzaga will be number one. He thinks Villanova is going to be number two. He doesn't see them losing anybody. I think Sadiq Bey will probably leave. leave. Most services I see don't have Jeremiah Robinson Earl, their forward slash center, leaving early. I think he's going to test the waters. This is a guy who was a high recruit, had a pretty solid year for Villanova. But if those two guys come back, I'd probably put Villanova Villanova number one, to be honest. Now, the name to keep an eye on here and the team is, you guessed it, Baylor. I did not realize this as the year was going on. And again, we don't know what's going to happen with the NBA or the draft. But let's presume that this is the starting lineup that they bring back. The only seniors that they are losing are Freddie Gillespie, who had a great year as a starting forward, and then Devontae Bandu off the bench. So as it's projected now, Baylor could have four starters coming back next year. Jared Butler, who was the Big 12 player of the year through the first three quarters of the Big 12 season. Davion Mitchell, one of the best defensive players in the country. Macy Oteague, and then Mark Vidal, who's an even better defensive player than Davion Mitchell. And they would then replace Freddie Gillespie with Tristan Clark, who's actually more talented than Freddie Gillespie. Maybe doesn't fit what they need from that position, but he's a more talented player. So Baylor's going to be pretty good. I wouldn't be surprised if they're preseason number one in more official rankings when all this comes out. Rothstein doesn't think they have anyone on NBA watch I don't know, I I would think Butler and Macy Oteague maybe test the waters. Mark Vidal won't go anywhere. I don't think Davion Mitchell will either. So keep an eye on that. Number four, he has the Kansas Jayhawks. So this is the projected starting lineup that John Rothstein sees for KU for next year. He has Marcus Garrett, Bryce Thompson, the five-star recruit out of Oklahoma. Ocha He has Christian Brown starting. And then David McCormack. The players who will be gone for sure in terms of senior class are Yudoka Azebuki, unfortunately. And then Isaiah Moss, grad transfer, senior night, has to go. Then he puts in key losses, Devon Dotson, which I agree. I think Dotson is out. I think even before he had this great of a year, he was going to leave. He tested the NBA waters last year and very, very late, pulled his name out like he really wants to be in the NBA so by all means if that's what if that's your dream then go do it go make that cash he also puts Ocha Agbaji in key losses which this is what I'm talking about where the rankings that John has here is a bit of an imperfect system because he has him in the starting lineup as well for next year and Agbaje is an interesting case study because this isn't the first time I've seen people wondering if he'll even be back next year which, as KU fans, Kansas fans, anyone who watched this year would be like, Really? Ochai has been considered as an NBA draft pick? But athleticism sells, man. I mean, this is the guy who banked in a corner three, right? What was it against K State or against Baylor? The shot was inconsistent. The effort at times, nah, he, he gave good effort, but some defensive lapses. I wouldn't say he was the best defensive wing that Kansas had obviously that would have gone Garrett Dotson and then Ngbaji and I only put him third because Isaiah Moss was not there to play defense <laughs> so it's it's really interesting that Ochi is being considered as a potential late first round pick that's not my words look it up so it'll be fascinating Christian Brown David McCormick the the newcomers that are coming in are Bryce Thompson Latrell Jostle, Jossel, Jossel? Jeth- Jethro Musketen. Yeah, we've got a Jethro on the team. Uh, both Jossel and Musketen are three-star recruits. They feel like potential projects. Muskeden is like 6'11", 215 pounds. He's a string bean. Sounds like a guy out of Kentucky. Sounds like a guy who needs to come in, put on some weight, develop. Who knows? Could be something special. Jostle. Is also a three-star point guard. Maybe another potential Frank Mason, Devontae Graham situation. Development, program type of guy. Could be good. Bryce Thompson, like I said, is a five-star. So he'll be super talented. See how he fits in. Could be a one-and-done type. The name to keep an eye on is Tyon Grant Foster, who is coming out of the junior college ranks. This is a kid who supposedly is a top 2 maybe even the the best player in the JUCO ranks who's now coming to Kansas that's the name i'm really intrigued by that could be the the guy that again takes this team to another level next year i do have some well placed moles within the JUCO community aka i have a friend who calls games for another good team in junior college who saw Tyon Grant Foster and i asked him is this guy What's the deal with Grant Foster? And you say he's good enough to play in the Big Twelve. Like this is a D one player. Shouldn't have a problem adjusting. So we'll see. Dotson should be gone. Azabuki and Moss are gone. Your projected bench is Mitch Lightfoot. Dewan Harris, who redshirted this year. Again, another three star point guard who could be a project, another program guy. Jalen Wilson, the four star recruit who got hurt this year. Really talented kid. Hopefully he can get it together get healthy, he could be a huge contributor next year. Tristan Aruna, Jostle, like I said, must get in, and then Grant Foster. Should be fun. So I don't want to dwell too much on 2020. I'm, I'm thinking as the weeks go on, I'm going to do a little bit of a player analysis, go through the roster, sort of see where we're at, see the years that they had and then where they are looking towards the future. It's an interesting offseason. It ended or the offseason came here much sooner than we expected. Do appreciate you listening to our abbreviated time during, during the season. But I'm not going anywhere. It's still going to be a weekly thing. Not sure if I'll keep it on Wednesdays. Maybe go back to Thursdays now that there is no tournament basketball to be had. Uh, I, I will finish with this. As the AP poll came out today, again, I'm recording and releasing this on Wednesday. March 18th, 2020, the AP poll came out this morning. I took a look at Myron Medcalf, who's a very good college basketball writer for ESPN, and he said, I don't see why Kansas shouldn't be awarded the national championship. And I, I, I don't know. I shouldn't have. I guess I'm a sucker for punishment. We're in quarantine situations all across the country. You know, I'm bunkered down here. And I wanted to see what the people thought. What would be the reaction if this actually came to fruition? and guess what people did not like the idea but but why i'm bringing this up is because it was very interesting to see most of the most vocal fan bases that uh, did not necessarily agree with giving kansas the national championship obviously you get some of your k state fans who are you know irrelevant but then by far the most vocal fan base that objected i objected was Kentucky fans. Hashtag BBN, Big Blue Nation, which I find rich. Kentucky, by the way, finishing this year at number eight. Good year. Don't lose to Evansville at home when you're the number one team. An Evansville team that ended up firing their coach because they weren't even that good. Oh, and Duke finished outside the top ten this year. Number 11. Don't lose to Stephen F. Austin at home. So, I don't know. Take that for what it's worth. Appreciate everybody listening. Make sure you don't go through all your rations too soon here. It's a zoo at the market. I went to a local grocery store yesterday. I couldn't believe my eyes. It was crazy. I'll be back, like I said, weekly. I'm not going anywhere. Who knows as news will develop week to week. I'll be here to react, I'll give you my thoughts. Drop a note in my line. Tell me why Kansas doesn't deserve the national title, if that's what you believe. I don't care about your pride. You know, oh, that's just not how it should be. We shouldn't accept that. Whatever. They're the best team by far. They deserve to be recognized. Stay safe, everybody. Don't shake hands. Shake elbows. Maybe do the, the kid and play foot handshake from back in the day. That was pretty sick. So take care. Leave some toilet paper for the elderly and those who actually need it, as well as the food. Let the, let the people get what they need, right? Until next week, I say thank you. And as always, rock, John. One, two, three, and to the four. Snoop Doggy Dog and Dr. Dre is at the door.